gentlemen welcome back to another episode of our drunken history today we are actually excited because it's our first fan requested show yeah so we are popping our our cherry <laughs> so we had a, a listener request that we do uh, an episode a little bit on pirate lore and, and buried treasure and, and yeah and mo- mostly treasure hunting but with that goes hand in hand the pirate thing so delana just want to give a shout out. Thank you for the recommendation. It's been a pretty interesting uh, uh, week doing some re- research into this. Uh, I'm a big fan of pirates anyway, and the whole buried treasure and, and, and all that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's uh, a cool part of our our you know it is American history, but it's Mexican history, it's South American history, Spanish history. Yeah, it can span a lot of the world and even into other. Uh, areas of the world as well yeah so if you got pirates down there this one's for you that's right well uh what do you want to start it off with well i was i was actually gonna uh start off with saying i wore my jolly roger shirt and i got my hat with calico jack's flag on it uh i was gonna tell about my hat there you go so it's i was stationed well i wasn't stationed i was deployed to a country in Africa, a very little-known country called Djibouti. It's uh, just uh, north of Ethiopia and across from Yemen, the Bab al-Mandeb Strait across from Yemen. And one of the missions that we ran over there was anti-piracy. Yeah, the, the Somali pirates. Captain Phillips. We, uh, we flew a lot of the reconnaissance stuff, surveillance stuff for that whole incident. And uh, I was over there for it, and... All of us got patches, pirate patches to yeah, for to honor that. So I thought I'd wear I wear this hat all the goddamn time anyway. <laughs> but that's what this is from, from from anti piracy missions in Djibouti, and I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, so pirates are are America's probably most well known treasure inf- influencers. Yeah, I mean you always when you're a little kid you. you playing pirates or whatever and you looking for buried treasure you, there's always that that fantasy of man if I could find a chest full of gold somewhere and well it's it's cool if you look at how many different pop culture icons were inspired by treasure hunting yeah I mean you've got Indiana Jones yeah big time treasure hunter you've got Laura Croft Tomb Raider Tomb Raider over in Egypt hunting hunting treasure the uh, the movie Sahara about the ship, which we'll get into that because that is actually based on a true story. Well, the National Treasure they were they was fighting or looking for all that that treasure. It was like a scavenger hunt basically through yes. that whole movie. And that's the thing for... too, kids games. Yeah, that this gets into scavenger hunt. If you if you have kids and you're tired of dealing with their shit, put them on a scavenger hunt. Yeah, it's a great way for kids to have a good time. And you to get a little chill time. <laughs> There's even some websites where you go to that helps you out with clues and stuff to give, and you can create your own when, scavenger hunts and stuff like that. When Keisha's family was here over COVID summer, uh, we we did scavenger hunts through the neighborhood, and it oh, was yeah. it was awesome. Kid, the kids loved it. Well, they've even uh, went high tech with that stuff now. Have you uh, you heard of geocaching? I don't know what that is. Okay, so it's basically an adult scavenger hunt. So is what it is. Is they use GPS and stuff now with it, but. Um, I'm not totally familiar with it, but they'll give you GPS coordinates that get you close, and then they give you a clue or whatever, and then you find the, a hidden item, and it's like in parks and places like that. Okay. And you'll find like a little treasure box or a little capsule or whatever, and you can either, I think you can either take something out of it or you add something to it, and then you put it back for the next person to find, and then you go to the next clue or whatever. And so growing, like up, a hobby. growing up, some of the radio stations would do... Things like that. There's one that did it a few years ago where they they would hide a rock. One yeah. Of the, one of the well, it was, it was a, a dentist that would hide the rock, and they would put out a daily clue over the radio, and then you had to go find it. And the winner got like ten grand or something. Yeah. 
Um, and when I was growing up, they used to, one of the radio stations used to do Find the Magic Pumpkin. Oh, okay. And they would, it was essentially the same thing. They would put out a, a daily clue and then you'd have to go find it in a, and it was in a park or in some public, some public place. I think they did it too. They, they put them on like hiking trails and stuff like that yeah. all over. And that way you'd get people out and in the, in the nature and yeah. getting some exercise. Looking and for... it's, and it's, it's just fun. It's, 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 it's always fun to try and figure shit out. Yeah. Well, and, it, and I think, too, the mystery of it. People love solving mysteries. I mean, they have games now, like the, the murder mystery games and stuff. Where, have you seen that? No. So, there's... <laughs> I, I have not. So, talk about solving... I don't get out of the shed much. Well, so, they have it now where you can order... Um, it's like a subscription service. You get one a month or something like that. And it's a murder mystery game uh, to where... I think some of the murders and stuff are actually based off of real murders. Really? And, like, you get crime scene photos and, and evidence uh, descriptions and, and suspect lists and all that. And you go through and follow the evidence and try to solve the murder. That sounds like And then you time. submit your results and stuff like that on, online, and then they grade it and see really? what you score. Yeah. It's like detective practice. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's funny because there is a company... And I, I cannot remember their name right now. It's called Blackbeard's Treasure, yeah. I think. And they do a very similar thing. They have hidden $1 million. Really? In 10 different states. So it's a $10, $10 million total. And it's uh, New York, Illinois, Texas, California. I think it's the I think it's the 10 most populated states. I can't okay. attest, you know, surely to that. But I believe it's it's the 10 most populated states. They've hidden one million dollars, and it's forty nine ninety nine for your treasure map and some clues. Really? And you can go on your very own treasure hunt and legit get a million dollars. We may have to look into that. Well, we're gonna get into the Forest Fen treasure too because <laughs> I became a little obsessed with it. There, there's, there's. I don't know if you guys know who Forest Fen is, but you will by the end of the show. Forest Fen was badass. Well, and, and speaking of that though, too, I mean, there's so there's so many shipwrecks that they're just now discovering too. Shipwrecks that were just merchant ships that wrecked, but also there's pirate ships that crashed. I saw where last week off the coast of Columbia they yeah. found two ships that were loaded with Spanish gold. And uh, do you know what they valued that wreck for? I did not see. Thirteen billion dollars is what that with wreck, a B with a B with a capital B billion. That's the most. Then I got it. I got. I think. The, uh, the, the, um, Colum- it's off the coast of Columbia and like the Colombian Agency of Antiquities or whatever handles their historical sites has, uh, basically claimed it. Uh, I think they're going to work with whoever found it, uh, but they're going to develop a plan to help recover it. They've hired this big, uh, underwater salvage company to, with ROVs. Probably and, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> the, we're going to get off on a tangent, but the whole... Ja- well, actually, that might be another episode of, because the whole James Cameron thing and finding the Titanic was a ruse. It was... It, they weren't actually looking for the Titanic. No, I, I knew that. I knew that. They were looking for a different ship. Yep. Yeah. So, uh... I had read that before. So, instead of going off on a tangent on that, we'll save that for another episode. Your mark. mark the Titanic right yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> that'll leave a little uh, mystery to it. Cliff cliffhanger but yeah uh, yeah they found that off the coast and they're working on a salvage plan and all well, that so that's my question is is it truly finders keepers or was it in like columbia national water still so they lay claim to it or how does it work i don't know exactly on that particular case and i think it's different from each country because there's some uh like in the caribbean uh, i was watching a, a show on the discovery channel i think it was about a guy that was looking for some shipwrecks and you know how they basically, it's like almost like a mining permit you'd get out west. So you get it, like a shipwrecking permit? It's like a salvage permit and you get, really? um, you apply for basically a grid square of where you're wanting to salvage wrecks at. So, and you get permits. You call dibs. You pretty, basically you call dibs, yeah. But you got to pay to get your permits through the, so it's government trying to get their money. But then I think then also as, as the government gets a cut of whatever you find too. Huh. So here's my question. If you, Trav, found Blackbeard's Treasure. Blackbeard's Treasure is like the most sought after one. I don't know if that's the most valuable, but it's the one that everybody wants. Um, yeah. If you found Blackbeard's Treasure, 
would you get to keep the treasure or like a cash equivalent? And then they they like put it in like museums or whatever. I would kind of both. I would like to maybe keep something that was the actual treasure as like a memento. But then I would also like to have most of it go to like a museum. So I would take the cash equivalent and then maybe keep a souvenir though. That way I could put it on the on a display or something behind some bulletproof glass. I'd do that too, I think. Maybe a coin or a or a golden skull or something like Indiana Jones, maybe. (laughs) All right. But I also thought of that. You, you, in, I would, I would, because you'd be rich as shit, you know. Yeah. So I would put in a pool, but then I would put in like Blackbeard's plank oh, instead yeah. of a instead of a diving board. Like, yeah, I'd make people walk the plank. Make it look like a pirate ship from uh, from. Um, yeah, I would buy the one from Treasure Island. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So, because that's one thing about finding buried treasure too, and not to dog on England or anything like that, but you know, you hear about people digging in their backyards in England and finding Roman coins and Roman gold. And then the government come in and just take it all. And it's like that, that gold has been missing for thousands of years and I find it in my backyard and I don't get to keep any of it. Just wouldn't tell nobody. Uh, yeah. And if, if, if that was the case and not my government was overreaching that far, I wouldn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. I'd melt it down. Yeah. And then go trade it in at a pawn shop for gold price. <laughs> when I was a little kid, through Billings, they have uh, the Billings Bench uh, Water Association Canal. Yeah. And it, it's like for irrigation canal. But uh, they drain it for the winter. Yeah. So that's like a popular thing to do is go walk and see what kind of shit you can find. I found five pesos in there one time. And <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing ever because it was yeah. like a, my own gold, gold coin. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was worth like... Fuck all. A nickel. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. Yeah. But it was cool. I, carry, I carried it in my pocket for years. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. good luck, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Now, the magnet fishing has got to be big, and that's kind of look, looking for treasure. Yeah. You see those guys on YouTube. It is. It, anytime, you find, anytime you find something you didn't expect to, yeah. you're a treasure hunter. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I think that's, like, the draw of it, too. It's, it's excitement, because you never know what's going to come up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's 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 the thrill of the chase for me is the is the real prize. Yeah. You know, finding something would be awesome, but and we'll get it. I want to get into the forest fen thing because I, I was I was fucking sure I knew where this was, <laughs> and I wasn't too far off to be perfectly honest. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's for later in the show. Uh, it was it was not the treasure would have been great, and I mean, yeah, it was worth like five point four million dollars, which would would have been. Fucking amazing. Yeah. But when I thought about it, it wasn't me thinking about the point of finding the treasure. It was the journey of it. It was yeah. hanging out with my friends, rafting down a river. It was like all these different experiences. It's like the that I was <laughs> also based on uh, a treasure hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One-Eyed Willie. One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. yeah. A great movie. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to go watch that. Yeah. Because that's a... Uh... How many movies are based on treasure hunting? Like we said, Indiana Jones, The Goonies, There's, Sahara, yeah. National Treasure. They're just all of them. All the good ones. People love a good treasure hunt. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, going back to, you was talking about your hat while ago mm-hmm. and the flag. So, we can go, we can kind of go on that uh, route a little bit and talk about flags. So, most people know, what do you, what'd you call that one? Well, it's, it's a version of the Jolly Roger, but it's Calico Jack's flag. Calico. Calico Jack was a very famous pilot. He was hung, I believe, in Puerto Rico. Okay. I think I read that before. I cannot... Also, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in... I think it was Puerto Rico. It may have been Cuba. I would have to look it up. But yeah. uh, I didn't have a lot of time to do research today. I was on a little treasure hunt of my own. <laughs> we... Uh, me and the wife ended up uh, bidding in on on an auction, and we won an Airstream. So I had to drive all the way up near Tulsa to pick up my new Airstream today. <laughs> new and to you, Airstream? New to me, Airstream. It's not a new one by any means, but a little bit of elbow grease, and we're going to have that thing look like a baked potato. Heck, yeah. That thing's pretty nice. It's pretty all right. Yeah. Anyway, not not to go off on our tangent. <laughs> so, but, uh, what, what, yeah, I, th- I, think he was, I think he was hung in Puerto Rico. Uh, but several pirates flew what is called the jo- a Jolly Roger, or a version of. Most of you know who Blackbeard is. Yeah. And Edmund Teach was his name. 
uh, Edward Teach. Edward yeah. Teach. Well, and the thing is too with with Blackbeard, it was kind of interesting. There was several different versions of pirate flags associated with him, and there's always kind of still that mystery that nobody knows exactly what his flag was because when I was doing mine, I found at least three different ones that they said he flew, and he might have flown all three. Well, yeah, at different points in his life, he yeah. Have, but the most famous one is the the skeleton with the spear and yep. the heart. Yep. Which I think is a fucking cool looking and flag. We'll, we'll put pictures of these up on the screen yeah, too on YouTube. It is a cool ass flag. And I actually have one on my, I have the, the black, Blackbeard flag. Yeah. Uh, one of these, a Velcro patch on my range bag. Yeah. That you know, I take when I go down to uh, the gun range. Shoot, yeah. Yeah, so the the, uh, the Jolly Roger, the, the traditional black flag with a skull and crossbones is like the pirate flag that everybody knows. And uh, that's the one that's really... That one was actually the most flown flag uh, in the um, the heyday of the Pirates. And it was in the 1720s. That was the most popular flag they flew was the Jolly Roger. Um, but then, they, yeah, the, the Skeleton Stab in the Heart was the other one. Uh, and then they had... Uh, one of the other flags associated with Blackbeard was... A black flag with just a skull on it. No crossbones. No crossbones? Just a skull. Um, so, would Blackbeard be your favorite of the pirates, you think? I think, I think he's the most famous. He's probably the most famous, and he actually had one of the shortest careers. He was only a Yeah, he was only a pirate for like four or five years, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, too... Do uh, you want some of this ice? Oh, yeah, I'll take some ice. Well, so, while we're, while we're talking about pirates, and a lot of the American history of pirates talks about pirates of the caribbean and the one of their main staples on the pirate ship was rum so we're going to be drinking some rum tonight Um, Uh, we've got some we got some different cocktails some different uh, recipes we'll try uh but uh so one of the things too with pirate flags they flew different colors of flags and sometimes they flew they weren't all black no and i didn't didn't know so most of the time they would fly uh flags of a different country, like they uh, when they were just normally out to, to approach sea, a ship to or, avoid, or to avoid being to avoid being caught because everybody was trying all the all the Spanish British governments they were trying to kill the pirates. Uh, every every pirate basically had a, a price on their head uh, for being a pirate. You tell me sure. when here, bud. That'll work right there. I'll throw some little some, something on top of that here. See, yeah. Um, so. Pirates would they would they would fly traditional colors of other countries when they were just out and about. But when they wanted to attack a ship, they would hoist. Then the they'd hoist the yeah. They would hoist their their colors, their black flag, normally whatever symbol it had on. Just it. to say fuck you before we get you. Well, so is what it was is they would hoist the flag and approach another vessel, and that was actually a warning to the vessel because they were going to take that vessel regardless. So it was just telling them either just give up. Yes. Or we're going to fuck you up. Exactly. So okay. is what they would do I is that. They, would, uh, they would allow another ship to surrender. And if they surrendered, because that's actually what they wanted anyway, because they didn't want to. Well, they don't want to get in a fight if you don't have to. Exactly. That's just dumb. Well, because back then, you know, if you got shot, I mean, you may survive it, but then you may die three days later from an infection or something, you know. So yeah. they didn't want to fight unless they had to. They would, get, they would allow it. So the black flag would allow quarter, allow surrender. And they might take the crew over, and they would give the actually they'd give the crew of the the commandeered vessel an option to either join their crew and become a pirate, or they would like maroon them, leave them on an island somewhere, take all their shit and leave them somewhere. Well, if a a vessel decided to fight back, a lot of times they would lower their black flag and raise the red flag, the red flag of blood basically, and that meant no quarter given. So they was going to kill everybody on that okay. boat. So that's where it came from. East Carolina University Pirates, their yeah. slogan is no quarter. Yep. That's where it came from. I so did if, not know that either. If a pirate vessel approached you with a red flag. It just meant you're going to die. Yeah, so you better fight. <laughs> so there's a story of a, a pirate ship, uh, Bartholomew Roberts, uh, in 1720. He uh, sailed into a harbor in uh, Trepassey, Newfoundland, in Canada. Is that Black Bart? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Black Bart. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, he flew into a harbor in Canada flying his black flags, and the crews of 20 ships surrendered that was anchored in the bay 
because out of fear and out of respect, they didn't want to get murdered. Uh, that's how the, the people respected or feared the black flags on pirate ships. Start flying one on my truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so going back to that, speaking of that, there is, I don't know if, see if you know this, there is one U.S. Navy vessel that flies a Jolly Roger as their colors. Uh, I have read this. Who, which is it? So, the USS Kidd is a Arleigh Burke. Actually, there's been three uh, uh, vessels named the Kidd, but the most recent is the USS Kidd. It's an Arleigh Burke cruise missile destroyer. And it's actually named after Admiral Kidd, who was the uh, rear admiral in charge of the battleships uh, on the Pacific Fleet during World War II. And he died on the USS Arizona. He was the oh, really? first admiral, first, the highest ranking officer to die in the attack on Pearl Harbor. No shit. And uh, he actually got the Congressional Medal of Honor for that because he, he was off the ship when the attack started. And he went to the ship and got on the bridge and started uh, getting trying to get the ship underway and getting the guns online. And he started commanding yeah. the, the resistance back to the attack. When a bomb hit the bridge and, uh, and took him out, and took him out and took the ship out, the magazine, the gun magazine went off and it sank the ship. And uh, that's a big set of balls to go into that when you really don't have to. Yeah, well, so when you just know you should. Uh, a few years later, Navy divers they never recovered his body. He's still actually listed as missing in action. Um, they uh, they sent Navy divers to recover what they could from the, every, all the crew yeah. members from the ship. They actually found his Naval Academy ring fused, like melted, to one of the bulkheads of the uh, of the ship that was underwater still. So they left that, and they actually found, I think, one of his trunks of belongings from his stateroom. And really? They, they recovered that and sent it back to his relatives and stuff. But yeah, they found his ring like melted to the That's to ship, where I guess they, either the explosion or the the fire or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, so it's named after Admiral Kidd, but uh, Admiral Kidd when he was a West Point cadet. He got the nickname Cap, and they they were they re- referencing him to Captain Kid yeah, yeah, yeah. from the Pirates. So the USS Kid flies when they they they're leaving port. They don't fly it when they're out to sea, but when they're coming into port or out to out to port in the U.S., they hoist this like fifty foot uh, Jolly, Jolly Roger, Roger flag, and the ship. So on that those destroyers, it's a cruise missile destroyer, but they have a five inch uh, gun on the deck for for defense or for yeah. And on the back side of the bulkhead of that gun, they have a big Jolly Roger mural planted on, uh, painted on the back of that uh, gun. That is so cool. And on, like on all the doors, the um, what do they call those? The bulkhead doors. Yeah. They uh, they have pirate flags and stuff painted. And that's like their Captain Kidd is their mascot. On that's the, on the really ship. That's really cool, man. Yeah. See, that's pirate ship names were cool. Like, oh yeah. Blackbeard's ship was the Queen Anne's Revenge. Yeah. Which is just fucking cool. That, that was really cool because, so that's how they think he got his start. He was actually, Captain, or Blackbeard has a whole lot of mystery around him to begin with. They uh, they think, they, they didn't confirm it, they think he was uh, in the British Royal Navy. Yeah, I've read Serving that. under Queen Anne during yeah. the uh, French and Indian Wars. Yeah. And against the uh, French and the Spanish during that time. That's where he got his seafaring abilities and stuff. And then when he... Became a privateer, so that's what some people don't. That's what they call pirates as privateers. Well, so is what. But, but privateers were government sanctioned. Government sanctioned pirates. Where pirates were outlaws. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So they uh, they got their articles of writ. They called it. it was basically your pirate permit. Yeah. And but so you had to pay dues to the country. Like they, he started off as a privateer for England, and uh, got tired of paying his dues and just. Decided to freelance. (laughs) And that's what a lot of pirates started off. He was a mercenary. Yeah. (laughs) They started off as a privateer and then decided uh, they didn't want to pay their taxes to the government. I see that. I I would have a hard time. I don't like paying my own damn taxes. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, they uh, they think, that's why they think he named the ship Queen Anne's Revenge because of the the, the French and Indian Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to grab that Coke. Oh, yeah. I get it. So while we're mixing this up a drink right here, so one of the have you ever heard of grog? Yeah. So I mean, I've heard the term. So back in the day, on a ship, they didn't have water filters or any way to purify water, yeah. and water would uh, it would go bad. It would, it would go get, bad. It would get nasty. 
Well, they always kept on board. What they, what, they just kept it in like casks? Like they, they just put it in barrels, yeah, but there's no way to keep it fresh, so it, eventually it would go bad. It would grow bacteria in it, and people would be getting sick. They, You're already sick of shit on a ship anyway. Yeah. So, is what they would do is they'd always kept high-proof rum or alcohol on board. and they it would, lasted the longest. It, yeah, because it wouldn't go yeah. bad, and they didn't really know why. They didn't know have the the knowledge of molecular biology at that yeah. point. Yeah. But uh, they knew that if they mixed some of that alcohol with their nasty water, they wouldn't get sick. So grog was basically nasty water mixed it was, with... It was, it was like rum ditch. Yeah. And then... <laughs> do you want to lime in yours? Uh, yeah, I mean, might as well. So what we've done here... We are here, doing a pirate show. We've got rum and coke with some lime. Thank you, sir. And there is your Cuba Libre drink from... The Caribbean. So they realized, though, too, to make it taste a little better when they were in the Caribbean, they discovered limes, citrus. Yeah. And they'd put a little bit of lime juice in their grog to make it taste a little better. And Let's then they raise realized... The flag. That's right. <laughs> that, good. that is pretty damn all right. That is awesome. We're, we're good shed bartenders. That's right. <laughs> so they, they didn't realize it at the time. Scurvy was really bad, and they... Eventually figured out that. What it was, the, okay, first off, let's get into what does scurvy do to you. Scurvy, I actually got a list of, of symptoms right here. So I like scurvy's scurvy. shit. It just sucks. So it is a a deficiency of vitamin C. There's some animals that actually can produce naturally their own supply of vitamin C, but humans aren't one of them. So I didn't know that. you have to you have to intake vitamin C into your diet some way to to and. So the vitamin, uh, vitamin C deficiency starts off with uh, just weakness and lethargy, being tired, and then your muscles start getting sore. Then it causes you to have a decreased red blood cell count, so you get anemic. Then it onsets uh, gum disease. So you see a lot of pirates or the pictures and stuff, pirates or sailors missing teeth. Yeah. You'd get gum disease, your teeth would fall out eventually. Um, and then you... Um, it would advance to the point to where you would be like hemophiliac, where if you, you got like a, a cut, you would just you would just bleed, or you would just start bleeding like out of your nose, or your gums would bleed and stuff. And uh, eventually, it was it was lethal, it was fatal that if you didn't get and you and it's hundred percent reversible, no matter what stage it's in. If you start taking in vitamin C, you start healing. I mean, you're not gonna grow your teeth back, but, <laughs> that, but was, that was my next question. Yeah. Do, you, do your teeth come? No, I'm kidding. Uh, guys. Drink your damn orange juice. Yeah. Don't Prevent, get scurvy. Prevent the scurvy. <laughs> it's actually one of the still to this day though, one of the leading indicators of malnutrition. Uh, some third world countries or some places where they think it's scurvy. It's it's still there is still a, a, happens in some places, yeah. Huh. Uh we just want to say don't drink and drive. Don't drink and and operate a pirate ship. Yeah. <laughs> have a plan. They uh and the law is different in every state, but it actually, speaking of pirate ships and boating, usually the blood alcohol content for a DUI on the water is actually less than it is that is in the true. car. That is true. So don't don't drink and boat either. That's right. Have a designated boat driver. Don't be dumb. And don't steal shit from other people. And be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> so pirates were putting lime in their grog to make it taste better, and they didn't realize they were helping. They were actually them. fighting scurvy on accident? Yeah. And it was That's actually not cool. until 1753 where a physician in England realized that it was the limes, the citrus that was fighting scurvy, and they actually started. So it's like a hundred years into like major piracy. Yeah, and well, I mean, you think the Europeans were coming to the New World on month-long voyages? voyages yeah. It would take anywhere from a month to six months, depending on the winds, to get across the Atlantic Ocean. And they said at the time it was common. Yeah. Could you imagine being on a fucking ship for six months before you see land again? Yeah, it, it, um, there was there was uh, there's these areas of the Atlantic, and it's in the Pacific too. It's called the doldrums. The doldrums, yeah, where there's no wind, and like they said, ships would just get stuck for like a month and yeah. not ha not be able to get through, and until finally the current would drift them enough to where they could get back Fuck in the winds. That um, at the time before all this, because the the so you had England and France and, and Portugal at the time had a big yeah, navy, big, yeah. and Spanish. 
that was from the 1400s all the way till 1750s that they were coming to the new world and dying of scurvy before they really figured out what was causing it. Um, it said at the time, at those times, it was normal for a, a ship to lose 50% of its crew to disease, mainly scurvy, on a, on a long distance voyage like that. That was that's terrible. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's how a, long, so how long does a lime last? I don't know. I've, I've had Like, lime's going to last for a while, right? Yeah. And I mean, if it comes down to, like, losing all your teeth or chewing on a soggy lime, I'm, yeah. chewing, I'm chewing the lime. Exactly. And that's where the term limey comes from, was oh, yeah, uh, sailors yeah. chewing on limes or, or drinking lime juice. I never even thought of that. Yep. Yeah. So, Makes sense. Yep. That's how, that's where they get it from. So, yeah, the... Uh, they realize the the limes and this the saves them. I like it. Thank you. Oh man, that's I like that rum. I've never had that blue. Yeah, so that's blue uh, chair bay. Blue chair bay is uh, based on and owned, I believe, by Kenny Chesney. Okay, and it's named after his song "Old Blue Chair," which is my favorite Kenny Chesney song. Probably, not. It's one of my top two. Not your. She thinks my tractor's sexy. That's not. <laughs> that was cool for like '98 or whatever. Yeah. Very hokey. Oh, Blue Chair had some meaning behind it. It was great. It was a well written, well written song. And fun fact: Kenny Chesney's former steel guitarist, Jim Bob Garrett, uh, has two daughters named Jessica and Mandy, and they were my babysitters when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so uh, Jim Bob Garrett's ex-wife, Val, is one of my mom's best friends. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jessica and Mandy, wherever you are, eat a lime. <laughs> Don't get scurvy. We'll stick that up front. Yeah, it's, it shit's good. I enjoy it. Blue Chair Bay. Well, it's like uh, Kenny Chesney, Part uh, is he has his uh, rum, and then you got... Jimmy Buffett that has his Cabo Wabo. No, Cabo Wabo Sammy Hagar. Oh, that is. And then yeah. the Margaritaville tequila. So you got all these celebrities and these singers coming out with their own lines of, of spirits now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them do. Ryan Reynolds got the Aviation Gin. And yeah. George Clooney started a tequila company. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember that one. And then the one I want to try, I haven't tried yet, is The Rocks, Dwayne Johnson's uh, tequila. I've heard. I saw he started one. I heard it's really good. Really, if you like tequila, and I, I do like tequila. I I like tequila, but Keisha has demanded that I don't drink tequila <laughs> because I have a tendency to get a little violent on tequila. You like to fight a little bit. I am. Uh, I don't like to fight anymore. I have a. Uh, I have a history of fisticuffs, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. But uh, I haven't been in a fight in a lot of years. Yeah. And I don't want to get in one again, so I avoid tequila when I can. Once in a while, you just can't. If you have can't to for keep, research <laughs> purposes, then you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get a little bit lively on tequila. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I, my fuse gets real short. Well, you hear about some people doing it with, with whiskey, like Jack Daniels. I can't drink that because that'll make me want to fight. I, yeah, I can drink Jack all goddamn day, and I don't I don't fight at all. I don't know I don't know why. I just, Jack is like my happy place. Yeah, well, and it, it's, it's probably one of those things, really, that nobody truly knows exactly why a certain, and it's probably just it's some mental. sort of... It's in, I, well, to a point. I, I think yeah. that you just have... have Probably had a bad experience with whatever drink before. Yeah. And now you associate it with that, and now it's like, oh. And your mind is already in that drink place. Drink some now. Jack, so now I gotta throw a punch at a motherfucker. Yeah. When I was. You I talk yourself into it, more likely than. I turned 18 in Cancun. Me and three of my buddies went down to Cancun, and uh, we stayed at this resort. It was a topless resort, which when you're. I turned 18 down there, I guess. I. I uh, we didn't go down for my birthday. We just went down for a senior trip, and it coincide, happened to coincide with my birthday. So, when you're 17 years old and there's just tits everywhere, it was fucking awesome. Oh yeah. But uh, it was kind of it was kind of shitty because the only place you you can drink the water out of the tap, right? Because yeah. it's Mexico, <laughs> and uh, the only place that had water was the gift shop, oh. and it was only open like two and a half hours a day <laughs> at like. Like between like eight and ten thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, you're not getting up that early. <laughs> so we 
we no shit drank liquor for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like eight fucking days. It, well, and I never want to do that again. Like it was, <laughs> it was like by the eighth day, I was like, "Somebody fucking kill me! I need water." The, uh, <laughs> I, I went to a place uh, uh, in Costa Rica, and it was an all-inclusive resort down there, and that was all-inclusive that included drinks too. You, some of these places, it's all the food, yeah, but it doesn't include ours. Ours was also all-inclusive with drinks. But yeah, it, and they had your room. They had a little mini bar in your room stocked. But they had in the little restaurant downstairs. They just had kegerators, and you just go and just fill your cup up from the kegerator whenever you felt like it. And you, I brought a Yeti cup and would fill it up. Just go fill it up with beer and yeah. carry it around. And that's pretty awesome. And it was great because you just had beer twenty four seven. And and then, but then you had like a little mini bar with like uh, rum and tequila yeah, and stuff yeah, in your yeah. little room too. But yeah, I drank the whole time there too. I, I was it's, ready to dry out. By it's the time rough. I got, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I, I don't think I drank. And this is you know, because I was a partier in high school. I drank a lot in high school. And uh, yeah, man, I I don't think I drank for like a month after that trip. Like, oh I yeah, couldn't fucking even just couldn't handle it. Made me sick to think about. It. Yeah, but it was a good 18th birthday. I, I bet you that was. Yeah, I have to. I'll tell that story at some point. It's it's just a. It's a series of odd events. That well, so we can say we can do that story when we when birthday. We, we'll do one on birthday parties or something. We'll do a birthday or um, when we talk about tequila. Since it's in Mexico, we can we can do it during that. Yeah, we can do that. That's yeah. a good idea. Anyway, back to the pirates. Back to pirates. Well, let's see here. We talked about scurvy. Yeah, I definitely eat your limes on that. Yeah, you guys don't don't get scurvy. Well, so <laughs> do you want to talk about? Uh, some of the the treasure that has you know made made people want to find pirate treasure and stuff. You you said you you had a story about treasure. Well, I, I have a story about treasure, but it wasn't pirate treasure. It's uh it's uh, mountain treasure, I guess. Mountain treasure. So, uh, Forrest Fenn was a uh, an eccentric collector. I will say, okay. you know, they they call poor people weird and rich people are eccentric. Well, he was eccentric. Yeah, he was very well off. But he was a lot. He was born in West Yellowstone, Montana, and uh, grew up around Yellowstone National Park. Yellow, uh, West Yellowstone is the west entrance of Yellowstone National Park, for those of you that don't know. Uh, by the way, Yellowstone National Park got hit with uh, all-time record flooding this week. So if you get, the towns up there could definitely use your, your support. Um, and they don't want you to send just money, just go visit. If you get a chance, you want to see a beautiful place, uh, they, they could definitely use the support. So if you guys have a vacation coming yeah. up, think about Yellowstone. They need you. Yeah, if you go visit, you're and still... And it's, it's the 150th anniversary of Yellowstone National Park, the very first national park. So go and celebrate with yeah. everybody down there. Uh, help, help out the towns. Going and visiting and spending your money there, that's going to help contribute to the local economy there. It's going to help people get back on their feet and help that's, them. That's what they need, guys. Anyway, not to get off yeah. on that. That's my little charity plug, I guess, yeah. for the week. But, uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he grew up in West Yellowstone, uh, around that area, and he ended up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, in 19, I believe 1988, he got diagnosed with renal cancer, kidney cancer. And they gave him just a few months to live. Okay. I think they gave him, like, six, nine months to live, whatever in there. And... Uh, he decided he wanted to leave a legacy. So, while he felt good and strong and able, he put together a treasure chest. Okay. And he hid it. And the story was, he hid it somewhere between Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the Canadian border in the Rocky Mountains. Wow. Which is... That's a long... An, it's an enormous swath yeah. of land. And... and you know, several uh, mountain ranges make up the actual Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains are the parent range, I guess. Yeah. But there's several smaller island, or I don't want to say island, but uh, branches of the yeah. Rockies that break off. And uh, and I heard I talk about Montana too much. Fucking deal with it. I grew up there. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there are several... Like, like, I grew up running mostly around the Beartooth Mountains in yeah. Montana. 
which are at the, basically the north end of Yellowstone National Park, uh, Absaroka Beartooth Wilderness, what they call it. But you got so many other mountain ranges that make up the Rockies. Yeah. And uh, he hit it somewhere in there was the thing. And he had spent time all over the Rockies. So you couldn't necessarily tie it down to one area. Yeah, so you could just track his footsteps where right. he's been or whatever. Yeah, yeah. because he'd been, you know, the, the dude had been everywhere. Yeah. And uh, he had the money to do it, and he did it right. So that treasure stayed, stayed. he wrote a poem. Okay. And I will read the poem. So have they found the treasure? It was found two years ago. Wow. In Wyoming. The guy who found it swore, and it is amazing, by the way, Forrest Finn didn't fucking die. He thought he was going to die, so he buried the treasure, and then the dude lived on. <laughs> That's awesome. And so he, he lived to... until his treasure was found. It was found, and he died about a month later. Oh, wow. That's cool. I mean, it's amazing. You know, you got your reason to live, and I, would, I think that, that you can, you know, scientifically, you can probably explain it a million different ways, but... You can't explain that away. Like, the guy lived until his treasure was found, and I think at that point, he just decided, my story has been written, my life is complete. Yeah. There's my legacy. Here we go. That's yeah, pretty cool. You know, he, what, and what a what amazing legacy to leave. The guy was, was just, in, you know, top-notch to create a story like that. <laughs> but anyway, he wrote the poem. Uh, the guy who found it, they've released that it was found in Wyoming, but the, the guy... Forrest Fenn, essentially, he, he, I think he emailed Forrest Fenn a picture of where it was. And Forrest Fenn uh, agreed, you know, that that was the place and that this was the treasure. It wasn't a hoax. Because over the years, people have died in Colorado. Yeah. Trying to find, there was a few deaths in Colorado. I think there was one in Wyoming, people trying to find the treasure um, over the years, which is tragic. But, yeah, inherently... A risky choice to go treasure hunting. Yeah, I mean, you're you're be, being in the mountains. You take risks anyway. You may fall down in a ravine or down a river or whatever. Yeah. You're you're doing a risky. Uh, you're making a risky life choice. Yeah. So if if you lost someone to the treasure hunt, that sucks, guys. But you know, people make their choices, and you got to respect it. Well, I mean, when you're out in nature, like you said, anything can happen. It doesn't matter if you're out there treasure hunting or out there hunting or yeah, out you there hiking. Run, you could run camping. across a bear or so much as a sprained ankle could take you out in the woods. Yeah. It's a you know, true story. Yeah, if you can't make it back to your car or your campsite, you could just hypothermia. Get dehydrated, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Forrest Finn, he, uh, he, he agreed that this was the treasure, whatever, you know, they, they, but he made the guy promise to never divulge where in Wyoming it was found. So all we know for sure okay. is that it was found in the state of Wyoming. Okay. Which makes sense because... I wonder if they're going to try to hide another treasure at some point. That's why I didn't want to... Well, that, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. So so uh, I'll read the poem first. It's uh, So this is the poem he wrote to... Uh, this is the This clue? was his treasure map. Okay. This, it, was a, it was a poem that was a treasure map. Uh, let me find it. I had it here earlier. I think this is it. That's not it. Uh, that's pretty creative too to, to write a, a poem and, and leave the clues like that because normally it's just like little riddles yeah, yeah. so so I, and then I will explain to you how I figured out where the treasure was okay and I was completely fucking wrong <laughs> you was completely wrong I wasn't complete. I was whatever <laughs> it says as I have gone alone in there and with my treasures bold I keep I can keep my secret where a hint of riches new and old Begin it where the warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not too far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh, there'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down, your quest to cease, but tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The treasure I already know. I've done it tired, and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Huh. So it's... The way he's, he's written it, there are so many clues in there. Yeah. Okay. 
The one that stands out to me is where the the hot water where the warm waters halt. Yeah, that immediately drew me towards the Firehole River, which is a river in Yellowstone National Park that uh, is fed by the hot springs. That's from, what I was going to say. The geysers, the hot springs, and you that. can actually go swim in the river, and it's like eighty degrees. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I did. I. I Basically mapped out the park, which I have been to a hundred million times, uh, and I and I actually so as it says in there, begin where warm waters halt. Um, I don't rem. I think it's the Gardner River, is the last river north in the park that still has heated waters. Okay. So I started my quest there. Okay. And I went north, and then I went. And take it in the canyon down. Not far, not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown. So, the canyon gave me a clue. Not far, but too far to walk. Means you can't walk there to me. And put in, put in below the home of Brown. Now I'll explain to you what I came up with. Okay. And then what the general consensus is. Is which I did I did not agree with, but it ended up being right. Okay. So uh, begin where the warm waters halt. The, the, I, I believe it's the Gardner River is the last thermal, uh, thermologically, thermogenically. Yeah. Whatever thermo really heated river. I don't care. Uh, and take it in the canyon down, just north of Gardner, Montana, which is just on the north border of the park. Yeah. You go into what's called Yankee Jim Canyon, right? So take it in the canyon down. That's on the Yellowstone River. Okay. Um, not far, but too far to walk. To me, that said, you have to put in the river and raft across. Yeah. Because you can't walk it. Put in below the home of Brown. So you're putting in your raft in wherever this home of Brown is. The put-in point for Yankee Jim Canyon, and you won't find this on a map. On the map, it's just a numbered turnout. But everybody, everybody up there calls it Brown's Turnout. Oh, okay. So I thought, not necessarily below, but downstream. Because the Yellowstone yeah. River actually flows north out of the park. Yeah. And then east and joins the Missouri. Yeah. So I thought downstream of where the Gardner River, which is the last hot river, flows into the Yellowstone. Then it cools off, goes down Yankee Jim Canyon, put in the canyon... And then uh, you got a raft because you can't walk there. Yeah. All this shit lined up to me. I thought for sure Yankee Jim Canyon, opposite side of the road, which would be the west side of the road. And there's some lakes up in there. And I thought for sure this is going to be where it is. So my plan was, and, and then there's some other things in here. From there, it's no place for the Meek. John Meek was an explorer who was chased by Native Americans from the Gallatin Canyon, which is the next canyon over where the Gallatin River, he was chased across the mountains to Yankee Jim Canyon. Oh, okay. So it says there's no place for the Meek. So I was thinking John Meek, the explorer. Go to where he was at, yeah. Right. Uh, the end is ever drawing nigh. That told me that it was near the end of the canyon. Was, okay. my, was my guess. Uh, if you've been wise and found the blaze, the treasure was hidden in 1988, which was the year of the Great Yellowstone Fires. Oh, okay. So the blaze to me meant all the Yellowstone fires that... And that's the last time that the park was shut down. This year, with all the flooding, is the first time since the fires of 88 that the whole park is shut down. Yeah. And I went through in 88. My dad and I drove through. And I remember, like, the fire on the sides of the road. And that's what I thought. Oh, shit, the blaze, you know? Yeah. It was hidden in 88. It's somewhere around Yellowstone. Anyway, uh, I don't remember all my other little clues that I had come up with. But I read way into this. And I thought, yeah. oh, my... All my my dots lined up, man. I had figured it out. Uh, anyway. Did you go to the opposite direction? Yeah. So uh, I, I believe it's the Madison Campground in Yellowstone is like the headquarters for the National Park Service, if I remember, okay. or whatever. I don't know. Something with that. And Forrest Fenn had, in his writings, which I never thought to even look at, had called it the home of brown because their color is brown. Oh, so okay. it was somewhere around there is my guess. I have okay. I don't know that, but I thought I was on the fucking right. Track. Oh man, and, that sounds good. And yeah. you know what's funny is because I had like eight people ready to go do this this draft trip. I was gonna split the money with everybody. Like I said, it was about the journey, not the treasure. Yeah, I mean the treasure was the ultimate goal, but really it was just having fun with my friends and and 
this treasure hunt sounded like so much fun. Imagine and, uh, that though, a and we were going to find treasure. <laughs> well, that was what we were going to do. Was is because I think it's like a five mile float, that, and once you're in, like you're in, you're not getting out. You yeah. have to finish. So we were just gonna drive back, you know, take a vehicle down, raft down, drive back up, raft down again, and just keep exploring. Because once you, you know, yeah, once you explore this, you can't go back up. Yeah, so you'd have to finish out and then go down. So that was my plan. Was just to. Spend like a week in there rafting and searching for this treasure. Yeah, which sounds like a hell of a good time. That'd be fun too. Like, just raft. Great. I love float trips. Great stories. Even if even if you never found anything, just great memories with some of your really good friends. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, we never got to make the the trip because we were no shit planning on doing this, and then two months before that, the treasure was found. Oh man. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, whatever it is. What it is. I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad somebody found it because yeah. there were people, there were uh, people who said that the treasure wasn't real. Oh wow! That, that yeah. it was all bullshit, and it wasn't. I mean, it really was an American treasure hunt, which is it. It it really caught the attention of the world, and and it was funny because it would be like a big deal for a few months, then it would kind of die out. Yeah. And then a few years later, it would be back at the forefront of the news, and then it would you know die out again. But yeah, like a, you know, a handful of people died, which you know sucks. But yeah. Well, I mean, and I have it. Uh, well, so they're speaking of treasure and people dying. <laughs> uh, okay. that, that's a good little segue, I guess. The uh, have, you, have you seen the the History Channel show, uh, The Curse of Oak Island? Uh, yeah, I have. I, regrettably, I'm not a fan. But I, I kind of got hooked on it a little bit. Watched yeah, it. Fred used to watch it at work all the time, and I got sick of it. It was interesting when like I wanted to watch it, but then it got really old when I had to watch it. I haven't seen the last couple seasons of it. So Did they ever find it? I don't. So maybe, hey, co- leave a comment. Tell us if they, if they found anything yet or not, because I haven't seen the last two or three seasons of it. So I don't know what they have found or not. That was the whole thing. That was their legend. It was a Templar treasure. Like the the Knights Templar had yeah. uh, um, escaped Europe and actually came to the new New World way before anybody else had ever. Which uh, is which fought. is which is crazy because you think about like they have found Viking yeah. stuff even up into Alaska. Yeah, and you know they so found runes carved into into stones in like Michigan and, and yeah. Minnesota and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there there was there was a presence here from from Europe. Way before, Way what, before was, Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Leif Erikson is supposedly the first. Yeah, that was like 1056 or 10. 10 yeah, but even that, like, yeah. you can't guarantee that was the first person. Exactly. Polynesians they, were coming across, you know. Yeah. And the, yeah. Nobody even knows when, but they were coming across exactly. in little tiny carved out, dug out canoes. Yeah. And that was so, the legend with that that they had found with uh, the Curse of Oak Island thing. It was supposedly there was some sort of legend saying that. It was like seven people would die before the treasure. Oh yeah, I remember that. And finally, like the seventh one died, right? I don't. I know there was the last I saw. I think there were six had died. I don't know if anybody else. I thought somebody else had died like a year ago. Yeah. So leave a comment. But I tell you what, though, that uh, that 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 legend is so renowned and so uh, sought after that. Did you know that um, FDR, when he was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president uh, during World War Two. Uh, during the Great Depression was uh, before that, before he was president, when he was like a, a college student, he went and searched for that treasure on Oak Island uh, when he was uh, like in his twenties. There's he pictures a of a bunch of his friends and a bunch of booze and a raft. Pretty much, <laughs> uh, a bunch of he was there. They've got pictures of him when he was FDR when he was there. That's uh, pretty damn cool. Yeah, so he was a he was a treasure hunter too. Were you telling me about an astronaut treasure hunter? That so that one was really interesting. So. Uh, there was a guy I can't remember his name I'll have to look it up but um, there was a guy he heard about so the, the astronaut Gordon Cooper he was a uh, NASA astronaut in the 1960s okay um, he was a part of the the Mercury and Gemini program so those are the programs that was the predecessors to the Apollo program is okay so the Mercury never went to the moon, but they went into space. They went into space. So the Mercury astronauts basically proved that you could just get to space. Okay. And, and then the Gemini uh, started doing some of the. They they were the first ones to orbit. They were the first ones to uh, do a lot of the space research just to show that humans could survive in space. Like the part of the Gemini program, they uh, did the first spacewalk where they got outside oh, okay. of the vehicle, did that kind of stuff. Um, 
So some of the Mercury and Gemini astronauts, uh, I think Neil Armstrong was in the Gemini program as well, and then he ended up being the first man on the moon. Yeah. But so Gordon Cooper was one of the Mercury and Gemini astronauts. Well, he's one of the first men in space. Uh, he was, I don't remember exactly his number, of, but he was one of the first 10 yeah. people in space. <laughs> yeah. But and uh, more than we'll ever do. Yeah. And, and just, just think how wild this is, though. Back then, you're, you're a, he was a, a Navy pilot. And I think that's how he got it, kind of got on the subject because he was in the Navy. Uh, we're going to put you in a in a capsule and we're going to stick you on top of an ICBM and just shoot you in outer space and, and hopefully you make it back. I mean, imagine that. Because <laughs> the first the first uh, Mercury uh, missions, the capsules, were actually mounted on uh, uh, Atlas ICBM yeah, missiles. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> So, but yeah, so then, uh, so he flew, Gordon Cooper, he was, uh, he was a, a history buff, he uh, really liked maps, he actually was a really good artist, and he, he drew a bunch of his, a bunch of maps, and he was like, a carto- an amateur car- cartographer. Yeah. yeah. Well, he got into searching, like in his off time where he'd go and leave, he would uh, go to the Caribbean and look for shipwrecks, and he would look for uh, pirate shipwrecks, or the Spanish. Uh, he was Matthew McConaughey in Fool's Gold. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> this is back in the, uh, this is the early 1960s when this happened. This is back before we had any kind of satellites that kind of could take any kind of pictures from space or anything like that. So, like, your eyes were your weapon. Your right? eyes, yeah. You, you were hunting from space, though. This is back when the first spy satellites took uh, pictures with film cameras, and they jettisoned the film, and they on a parachute, and they had to come by and scoop them up, you know, because they didn't have no way to transmit the pictures back to to Earth and stuff like I that. I wonder how many film cancers, yeah, didn't, didn't get recovered. Exactly. I wonder what they were looking at. Yeah. So, Gemini Five was the mission, and uh, basically, this was he was to orbit Earth. He's, he's in a capsule by himself. All these all these missions up to this point they were, were solo. Solo. Uh, for one thing, the capsule was tiny. Only one person could fit in it, pretty much. The size of an outhouse. Yeah. And uh, he was. this was because part of the Apollo program coming up, getting a little bit of history of that, was you were supposed to rendezvous in space with the, com- uh, the, the command module and the uh, service module were to, to link up in space so they could yeah. go to the moon. So this was a showing that you could do maneuvers like that in space. So he completed uh, 120 orbits. Of Earth on his Jesus. on his Gemini Five mission. How long is it like? In, how long is like an orbit? Like? I, I think he was up there for like three days. Might not have been that long. But still, that's I, I forgot to look. Is actually how many how how long of a time period that was. Um, but him being he wanted to search for ship. He had like his checklist of stuff he was supposed to do while he was in space. But they gave him some fuck off time. They gave him some fuck off time too. <laughs> so he took a camera. And some binoculars, like some like, like some big old Bushnell Bushnell binoculars, <laughs> yeah. And while he was orbiting over the Caribbean, he used his binoculars and camera to document shipwrecks in the in the Caribbean because the the water's clear and shallow, and he's yeah. orbiting up, and he could see. And so he created his uh, a bunch of maps of shipwrecks that he wanted to go back and explore later. You want uh, you want to talk about. What a what a perfect job for for you yeah. to work on your your hobby yeah oh yeah I want to know where these shipwrecks are I would be an astronaut yeah <laughs> yeah exactly well the thing was too he didn't tell anybody about it for for a long time I think he kept all this a secret with himself because he's afraid NASA might overreact or the Navy might overreact about it so he didn't tell anybody about it and he he wrote all these maps and stuff and then um, and then he passed some of the stuff down to his son and then his son really I don't think ever really showed much interest in it and then so this guy there I saw it from I can't remember his name but he uh, he was researching this and he was able to get a lot of the the maps and document he had a diary and stuff and he found all this documentation for some of the shipwrecks and this yeah. guy actually went to the Turks and Caicos Islands in the Caribbean and, and found a couple of shipwrecks that uh, that he that, had that spotted Cooper, from that space. Cooper had found from space. That Cooper had found from space. He found this big uh, Spanish anchor from a ship. And he found like the ballast pile. The ship was gone and rotted away, but he found yeah. a pile of rocks where the 
the key, that were in the keel of the ship yeah. and the anchor. And uh, he found some of the shipwrecks that that Cooper had seen from space. Had seen from space. That's incredible. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty pretty neat for being able to do that from at that point back then. Yeah. Have you heard about the ship in the Salton Sea? No, I don't think I've. So you're talking about like the Dead Sea? No, Salt. the Salton Sea in That's, California. Oh no. So there's supposedly a pirate ship in the Salton Sea. Really. That sailed around South America and up to the California side. Yeah, and the Salton Sea was a was a lake, and still at times becomes a lake when the tides are just they have to be right. Yeah, and that's what they say is that ship had gone upstream when the currents carried it into the Salton Sea and got stuck. Huh. So there's a story, and I don't remember the guy's name. But this was in like the 1890s out there. Yeah. He was out there and found a whole bunch of pearls. Really? And that's true. Like that, that's documented true. He found all these pearls that had no business being there. And he put them in his pockets and he carried them with him to L.A. Yeah. And told the story that he found a ship out in the Salton Sea. And over, even now today, once in a while there's a sighting of it. Huh? That it's buried in the sand out there. Yeah. That well, it was the, if it's in the sand, the sand dunes drift. Then the sands so. will shift over time and yeah. then cover it and then cover it back up. So there's a off the coast of Africa. Have you seen this? There's okay. there's a I don't know if it's Kalahari or it's one of the deserts in Africa yeah. that borders the ocean. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and there are several ships. Yeah. In the sand, like. Two three hundred feet from the ocean. Yeah, but over time they'll they'll get beached, and over time the desert is actually moving. Yeah, west. Yeah, the, it actually makes the the land uh, encroach right. further further west. So yeah. those ships are are landlocked. Yeah, and uh, I've heard about that. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the theory with this one in the Salton Sea is that it was it was it's a pirate ship. No one knows whose it was. Wow. No one knows even if it's true. But there have been sightings, several sightings over the years, and someone did find just a boatload of pearls out there. Sounds like they need to get one of those. They're doing those uh, satellite imageries, the the LIDAR imagery from yeah. uh, like the Amazon, and they're finding a- ancient like Mayan and ruins, Incan, and, ruins stuff, yeah. and stuff. Maybe they could do that with the uh, with the sands. I think that'd be awesome to, yeah. to just 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 you know the treasure is great but just for the the historical aspect that pirates made it around yeah exactly. the, around here del fuego and uh, yeah into california yeah so that's that's the uh, that's i i believe and i would have to look it up i think that was kind of the the inspiration for the Goonies, because you know the Goonies took place uh, in Oregon. Yeah, and that was the story was that the pirates had come around and gotten as far up as as I think Astoria, Oregon, is where that took place. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that was the the inspiration for One Eyed Willie. Was okay. it was the pirate ship that made it to Oregon? That's pretty neat. That I mean, imagine that. Imagine you're in the desert. And you find a, a ship. A like, fucking pirate with a <laughs> Jolly Roger and all, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. And then you tell people and then you go back and they're like, you're, you're liar. You're crazy. <laughs> it was here two days ago. I swear. Yeah. No. You look like the asshole. I'm going to skip out on the Malibu. We brought Malibu too, but it's in a plastic jug. And uh, I like my stuff out of glass bottles because I'm upper crust. There you go. And this Kenny Chesney stuff's all right. That's not bad at all. No, I, I'm a fan. And I'm not really a rum guy. I don't like sweet, uh, sweet alcohol, for the most part. So this is this ain't bad though. Although I will, I will tell you a story. I went down TDY to Florida. Uh, I don't know what year it was. Oh seven maybe. And I, uh, I don't know why, but we were drinking rum out of coffee pots. <laughs> no clue. But uh, we were just drinking it straight. And uh, I ended up waking that up at like two in the morning. I was the first one to pass out, which never be the first one to pass out at a party. Oh yeah. But I was the first one to pass out, and I woke up at like two in the morning, and uh, I just had a pair of clippers laying next to my head. Oh no. And I just did one of these, and someone they had skunk striped me <laughs> in my sleep, so I ended up having to shave my head. <laughs> that's uh. <laughs> yeah. That's a rude awakening. It sucked, but whatever. 
Make your back. <sighs> well, this has been fun. It has been informative. The some of these some of these stories they're they're addicting to. If you especially if you like the history, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the treasure hunt. Who who doesn't love a treasure hunt? Well, I mean, like like we were saying, man. There's there's so many board games and and children's games and and even into adulthood games that are all just essentially a treasure hunt. Yeah. So, well, guys, as we sit here and we finish our our other uh, our rum drinks, Cuba Libre. <laughs> I like saying that. <laughs> what was the other drink we were gonna do? I have some stuff to make a mojito over there. <laughs> oh my god, mojitos. Yeah. So. Did you bring lime? I got lime, and I got the mint, and then... Or not mint, I mean lime. Yeah, I mint, yeah. mint. I don't know. I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, it's it's a good, refreshing summertime drink. And it is hot as fuck. You know, we talk about how cold it gets in here. Man, it's hot right now. Yeah. It's, it is, it's breathy it's in this shit. Balmy, I guess they yeah. call it. <laughs> it's hot as fuck, because it's humid. We're going to we're gonna have to put an air conditioner in here, I think. As I stated, we... Uh, we went out of town today and got our, our Airstream. So next week, with the blessing of my... Oh, Keisha should be out of town next week. Oh, we're doing it in the Airstream next week. Yeah, better to ask for <laughs> forgiveness be, than permission. Be, I forgot she's got to go to Vegas next week for work. Oh, heck yeah. So, uh, Keisha, guess what? Next week we're doing it in the Airstream. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to figure out what, what we're going to do it on next week, but uh, do our... What the glamping? Glamping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. I won't. I won't tell her till after. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So tune in next week for the the studio update, and we'll. Uh, It'll probably be the one and only out of the airstream. Yeah. But I'm gonna need some AC because it's been like a hundred degrees every day. Anyway, that's... guys, thank you so much for watching, and uh, like we said, this was our very first uh, fan reach out and suggest a show uh it's i, I enjoyed it, it was, this great. was a good one yeah, yeah. It, it gave us that's the thing is when we do this ourselves we're kind of just coming up with ideas and going but uh it is nice to have somebody else steer the ship that's the steer the ship. i like that <laughs> i like how you did that and uh and the thing is too we we touched on several different subjects and we i kind of always do in every episode so if there's anything that you hear us mention during an episode that you maybe want us to take a deeper dive into or to get a little bit more detailed into something, let us know. Leave us a comment and say, hey, go a little more detailed with uh, Captain Kidd or go a little more detailed with... Yeah, that's the thing, man, is is, is we love to read. Yeah. Um, and we're nerds like that. I'm, I'm a history guy. I think Travis is a little more brushed up on his facts than I am, which is... <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I like I like stats, and I like to I like to read the then get the facts and stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's great. It's I'm not as much of a rabbit hole digger as you. I will go deep into a rabbit hole. But I uh, I, I just I, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did. This yeah. was a good week. It we was. we really liked it. this. Was a fun one. It was. So yeah, please uh, leave us a comment, like, and subscribe. Uh, you'll see us on uh, on YouTube and on uh, the, all the major podcast players. So hit us up and. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't get scurvy. That's right. Eat your limes. What will they do with an open sailor? What will they do with an open sailor?